This is Public Occurrences, both foreign and domestic. And now your host, Michael O'Fallon. being transitioned from an analog, real, objective world into a digital, subjective, hyper-real world, but we're also being transitioned from an economy of abundance, of capitalism, of meritocracy, and into a technocratic socialism, a fascistic environmental communism. We've been talking a lot about what has been happening at the Vatican over the past few years, the gradual slide of Roman Catholicism into critical consciousness and the replacement of the sacramental gospel with Paulo Ferreri's Marxist Easter. But the Vatican has been much more involved with moving their faithful congregants progressively leftward. They're also using their non-governmental governmental push to join forces with some of the most dangerous and deceptive people on earth, The Vatican is helping to prepare an agenda for the global government. The idea that there is an agenda for global government among the financial and political elites of the world has long been called a conspiracy theory within the mainstream and establishment media, as well as within those that would consider themselves within the intelligentsia of religion or possibly within postmillennial thought. And sadly, even when you can convince people to look and accept the evidence that banking institutions and certain politicians work together for their own purposes, many folks still will not entertain the notion that the ultimate goal of these power mongers is a one-world empire. They just can't wrap their heads around such an idea. People will say that the establishment is driven by greed alone and that their associations are fragile and based only on individual self-interest. They will say that crisis events and shifts in social and political trends are random, not the product of deliberate engineering. And if you listen to this show, you probably already know that that is not the case. Many of these doubters will say that elitists will never be able to work together because they are just too narcissistic, Now, all of these arguments are a coping mechanism for the public to deal with the evidence that they cannot otherwise refute. When the facts become concrete and the powers that be admit to their schemes openly, people will revert to confused denial on their own. It is a self-defense mechanism. They don't want to believe that organized evil on such a scale could actually exist. And if it did then everything that they thought they knew about the world might be wrong. They would have a crisis of conscience. And for many years, the agenda for global governance was only whispered about within elitist circles. But every once in a while, one of them would speak aloud in public about it. Perhaps out of arrogance, or perhaps because they felt the time was right to ease the populace into accepting the possibility. Whenever they did mention it, they called it the New World Order. 
World leaders such as George W. Bush or Barack Obama or Joe Biden or possibly Gordon Brown or Tony Blair and beyond them have all given speeches talking about the New World Order over the past 20 to 30 years. And money and political elites like George Soros and Henry Kissinger have mentioned the New World Order incessantly over the years. Well, one of the most revealing quotes on the agenda comes from Clinton Administration Deputy Secretary of State Strobe Talbot, who stated in Time magazine that, quote, In the next century, nations as we know it will be obsolete. All states will recognize a single global authority. National sovereignty wasn't such a great idea after all. End quote. Now, he adds in the same article a lesser-known quote that goes as follows. Quote, The free world formed multilateral financial institutions that depend upon member states' willingness to give up a degree of sovereignty. The International Monetary Fund can virtually dictate fiscal policies, even including how much tax a government should levy on its citizens. The General Agreement on Tariffs and Trade regulates how much duty a nation can charge on imports. These organizations can be seen as the proto-ministries of trade, finance, and development for a united world. End quote. So to understand how the agenda works, I would offer a quote from Globalist and Council on Foreign Relations member. Yes, Council on Foreign Relations. It's not a conspiracy. It's a real thing. But yeah, it is a conspiracy. It's just not a conspiracy theory. But this member, Richard Gardner, in an article in Foreign Affairs magazine in 1974 that was entitled, quote, The Hard Road to World Order. He states the following, quote, In short, the House of World Order will have to be built from the bottom up rather than from the top down. It will look like a great booming, buzzing confusion, to use William James's famous description of reality, but an end run around national sovereignty, eroding it piece by piece, will accomplish much more than the old-fashioned frontal assault. The New World Order has since changed names multiple times as the public grows increasingly wise to what is an obvious conspiracy. Now, it's been called the Multilateral World Order, the Fourth Industrial Revolution, the Great Reset, etc. But the names change, but the meaning is always the same. Now, in the past two years, in the face of extensive global crisis events, the New Order establishment globalists that have been talking about has now arrived. And with almost no fanfare or mention in the mainstream media. The beginnings of the economic structure of the global government already exist, and it's called the Council for Inclusive Capitalism. The Council for Inclusive Capitalism. That sounds like something that's nice. It's inclusive. And those of you that listen regularly to this podcast know I have been highly focused on the World Economic Forum and their role in the global government agenda mainly because World Economic Forum head Klaus Schwab can't stop talking about his tyrannical fantasies and he can't help but talk about future plans for centralization. Now, as I have noted in past shows and interviews, the elites within the World Economic Forum got way too excited about the COVID pandemic, thinking that they had just 
the perfect crisis to implement numerous globalist policies in the form of the Great Reset. As it turned out, COVID was nowhere near as deadly as they had initially predicted during Event 201, and the public was not as submissive and compliant as they had hoped we would be. The World Economic Forum, in essence, let the cat out of the bag too soon. They jumped the shark. So onward we go, with crisis after crisis like dominoes falling, until we get to the one event that they think will drive the masses to accept world governance. And while the World Economic Forum is regularly attended by top-level globalists, they are more really of a high-level think tank. A think tank that has influence, that has penetrated the cabinets. Now, they just haven't penetrated the cabinets, and this is something that I said the other day, but they have also penetrated the denominations. And one in particular. The Council for Inclusive Capitalism appears to be about implementation rather than just theory. Now, you can find a link to the webpage for the Council for Inclusive Capitalism in our show notes below. The founder of the Council for Inclusive Capitalism is none other than Lynn Forster de Rothschild, member of the infamous Rothschild dynasty that has long been monetarily involved in influencing governments for generations. But Pope Francis and the Vatican have now publicly aligned with the Council for Inclusive Capitalism starting in 2020. And one of the primary narratives of the Council for Inclusive Capitalism is that all religions must unite with the leaders of capital to build a society and an economy that is, quote, fair for all, end quote. No, really, I'm not kidding. The Council for Inclusive Capitalism, with Pope Francis leading the charge, is calling for the ecumenical uniting of religions for the sake of creating a socialist equity scheme. With, of course, the Vatican in charge. Sort of a socialist hocus-pocus of calling socialism capitalism and pretending that something that the Pope is claiming to be capitalism really isn't but yet requiring ingestion of this propaganda-styled fertile fallacy for participating in a future economy. Pretty soon, the Pontifex Marximus will be calling for beatification and canonization of St. Marks, St. Rousseau, St. Marcusa, and possibly trying to find a way to shove one-dimensional man somewhere between Third John and Revelation. <laughs> I'm kidding, but I'm not kidding. Now, the mission statement for the Council for Inclusive Capitalism is rather familiar. It should sound familiar, as it echoes the goals of the World Economic Forum and its concept of the shared economy, a system in which you will own nothing, have no privacy, borrow everything, be completely reliant on the government for your survival, and you will like it. In other words, the purpose of inclusive capitalism is to con the masses into accepting a rebranded version of communism. That's right, the phony made-up term inclusive capitalism is just technocratic communism. The promise will be that you won't have to worry anymore about your economic future, but the cost will be your freedom. The Council for Inclusive Capitalism is led by a core group of global leaders that they refer to as the Guardians. <laughs> I'm not kidding. This is for real. The Guardians of the Council on Inclusive Capitalism. Members of the Council for Inclusive Capitalism have included 
These are the Guardians. MasterCard, Alliance, DuPont, the United Nations. Well, of course, the United Nations. The Teachers Insurance and Annuity Association of America. BP, Bank of America, Johnson & Johnson, Visa, the Rockefeller Foundation, the Ford Foundation, Mark Carney, the treasurer of the state of California, and many more companies around the world. The list is very extensive, but what it represents is a kind of corporate-led government with a Congress of corporate representatives mixed with a pliable political group of leaders. One of the top missions of the Council for Inclusive Capitalism has been to change our economic models to promote equity and inclusion. And so, hilariously, proponents of the Council for Inclusive Capitalism argue that too much wealth has been accumulated into the hands of too few people, and this proves that existing capitalism does not work. End quote. And yet they are the very people that rigged the system to centralize that wealth into their hands. They aren't capitalists. They are an aristocracy. Do you really think that these people are going to build a whole new system that doesn't continue to benefit them? Now, if you've ever wondered why the Pope has been pushing woke ideology, climate alarmism, and one-world religion rhetoric in conflict with traditional Christian doctrine, this is why. He's following the dictates of the Council for Inclusive Capitalism. Another mission of the Council for Inclusive Capitalism is to enforce carbon controls and taxation in the name of climate change with the purpose of reaching net zero emissions. As we all know, net zero carbon will be impossible without a complete upheaval of our economy and industry, along with the deaths of many people in the process. It is an unattainable scenario which is why it is perfect for the globalists. Humans, in their eyes, are the enemy of the earth. That's what they claim. So we need to let the elites control our every action to ensure that we don't destroy the planet and ourselves. And the process will never end because there will always be carbon emissions to deal with. So members of the Council for Inclusive Capitalism including the head of Bank of America, openly suggests that they don't actually need governments to cooperate in order to meet their goals. Let me say that again. They suggest that they don't actually need governments to cooperate in order to meet their goals. They say corporations can implement most social engineering without political aid. In other words, it is the very definition of a shadow government a massive corporate cabal that works in tandem to implement social changes without any oversight. Now, as I've noted in the past, we've already seen this with the spread of woke ideology by hundreds, if not thousands, of corporations working as a hive, if you will. That hive mentality, that hive behavior. The woke corporations associated with the World Economic Forum have both provided the propaganda and fueled the insistence of embracing Gnostic wokeness. They have insisted on the S of ESG, and they have every intention of implementing ESG along with their financial partners. 
So what the Council for Inclusive Capitalism is, is a massive effort to place pressure upon ministries and religions worldwide to embrace this socialist scheme. Credit card companies, banks, and other institutions will begin to find ways to make both faiths and the faithful compliant to this technocratic move. It is a beginning of a government by corporations, complicit faiths, and money elites for corporations and money elites. It bypasses all political representation, all checks and balances and voter participation. It is conglomerates and their partners, their religious partners, making decisions for our society unilaterally and in a centralized fashion. And since big business acts as if they are separate from government rather than partners with government, they can claim they are allowed to do whatever they please. Faith is there for the virtue game and the guilt push. However, with corporations and globalists increasingly showing their true colors and acting as if they should be in charge, the public must hold them accountable as if they are part of government. And the participating religious faiths are authoritarian and corrupt, and they must be overthrown just like any other political dictatorship. And this is what I've been advocating for years. You can't save the church unless you are willing to clean out those who both plotted with the Malthusians in the World Economic Forum and kick them out for good, along with their entire network of deceptive wolves in sheep's clothing. The Great Betrayal has been happening for decades now, and the church has been blissfully unaware as they have been gaslit into a Maoist thought reform project, calling sin good, calling what is good sinful, embracing Marxism and rejecting objective truth. And it's still going on today. Just as inclusive capitalism is really communism, so are some new brands of supposed conservatism, just rebranded religious-based technocratic tyranny. And ladies and gentlemen, I can't sit by and watch this happen. I won't sit by and watch it happen. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to win this struggle of the ages. Because your children are worth it. Your grandchildren are worth it. Our civilization is worth it. Humanity itself is worth it. And the church, well, the bride of Christ, is worth it. The bride of Christ is worth storming the castle, killing the dragon, and saving the bride of Christ. Because there can be no lose in this endeavor. We must win. I'm Michael O'Fallon, and this has been Public Occurrences, both foreign and domestic.